there's there's a few times throughout the book where he, he does like a <clears throat> I'm not sure what the term would be but he, he sort of fakes you out into thinking one thing when it's actually something completely different Welcome to episode 9 of the Audiobook Club podcast. I'm Stephen, your host for this episode, and today we'll be talking about Slow Horses by Mick Heron. But first, uh, my co-host, could you please introduce yourselves? Hello everyone, I'm Michael. And I'm Jonathan. So as I said, today we'll be talking about Slow Horses. Um, Before we talk about the book, uh, Michael has some news that he wants to discuss. Michael, over to you. Yeah, so as I've said before, we're probably not going to do this segment on every episode because there's not news every week for books or every couple of weeks or whatever. It just happens sometimes. Um, One of the big pieces of news that, one of the big controversies that's happened over the past couple of weeks has been the the Roald Dahl saga, where uh, the works have been changed for sensitivity purposes. Um. This has sparked a lot of outrage, people saying that this is wokeness gone mad, snowflake culture, everything. Um, some of the, some words, some like things have been changed, like authors who Matilda have read, re- reads have been changed to make them more inclusive. Um, Jane Austen has been put in place as somebody else. Um, Augustus Gloop is no longer described as fat and Willy Wonka he is now described as enormous which i think i think is more i know it's absolutely ridiculous like it's <laughs> so i thought i should bring this up anyway because people even in my office have been talking about it and i think it's been picked up by bbc and sky so it has big news um Stephen, I, I put this under the chat and you said you were kind of of the opinion that it wasn't that big of a deal uh do you want to well i mean <clears throat> well let me just clarify. My my first thoughts were that, oh, this is an outrage, yeah. But then, <laughs> before I responded, I kind of thought about it for a, a couple of months, and I thought, D- does it really matter at the end of the day? Like, uh, I, t- as long as I think, as long as the plot remains intact, I, it's fine. I, I don't really care. But it is. I mean, it's kind of pointless. I think. Well, I don't know. I, I don't know. What do you think, Jonathan? Yeah, I think, I mean, a lot of the authors and stuff, like, a lot of the surrounding, like, to be honest, I think this whole cancel culture and all that is just absolutely ridiculous. Like, I mean, like, people are just a bit too sensitive. Like, there are topics, absolutely, that, you know, should be, you know, talked about and, like, nullified, but it's just getting a bit out of control. Like changing the word fat to enormous is an absolute brilliant example mm. like number one that's not even a correction like that's if anything a, like a bigger word a worse word but even still like if you change the word fat to something else people associate these words as bad like the word fat probably because of reading books or watching tv so if you change all that to a different word 
then in 10 years time that word is now going to be the bad word and fat yeah, will have like true. lost its power and now people will be like oh we should change enormous to fat because enormous is such a bad <laughs> word do you know what i mean that's just <laughs> never going to end like it's yeah it's absolutely ridiculous like non number two is like all the things that have been done in the past like they shouldn't be corrected like that's that was done at a different time like maybe now when you're writing a new book you should maybe be a bit more sensitive to it and think about these things but if there was a book written during World War Two, I mean, like that was talking about fascism or something like that. I mean, it shouldn't be censored at all because people need to know what happened at that time. Like regardless of what exactly, word it uses. yeah. Like nowadays, yeah. Like if, especially if the books for children, and all you know, you do need to watch what you're saying and things. But no, it's, I think it's getting a bit mad. It's, it's ridiculous. I do agree. Yes, yeah, I not. totally agree. Especially with that last point you brought up, Jonathan. Um. I really, really do not agree with changing art at all. Um, I hate it. You know, I'm trying to trying to think of what I want to say here. Um, I think that a con like it's okay to have a conversation around things if if certain things no longer fit up to you know to our current culture. If things have changed and certain things are now offensive or you know that that was an old way of thinking but that should be like the beginning of a conversation and children are smart enough to have that conversation i remember what i remember doing books when i was younger and the word gay would come up a lot and then people you know us being like nine-year-old boys hearing the word gay in a book it was like the height of comedy and then our teacher was like oh this this used to mean happy this is what the offer meant and it, it makes you realize as a child that the culture evolves and it changes and what words mean change and that things aren't static and because you realize that from the past it makes you question current day you're like oh well we realized that that was wrong things moved on what what could be wrong today so it like encourages this critical thinking and it's like this like bubble wrapping of ideas and trying you know to minimize people being offended it's just ridiculous and uh, like art isn't supposed to be like this safe space it's supposed to you know start these conversations that's what we do on this podcast we talk about stuff and there's like there's people theorizing now that this was all just a big marketing scam because like um the the these books have been back on the bestseller list now and they're now talking about they've now succumbed to a lot of the outrage and they're saying oh we're just gonna also sell the originals as well oh really but yeah yeah and i I just i just find it ridiculous to it's it's like it's like retouching a painting or something i don't agree with it at all on a fundamental level how do you know which one to buy do you have to like thumb through it to see i haven't actually looked into it that might clean it'll just be like one's clean version or something yeah (laughs) they always do it in music it's like the clean version has no cursion yeah so uh I don't know, is there anything else you guys want to add to that or do you think we? Well, I just want to know more, uh, to be honest. Like, certain... Okay, so you talk about Willy Wonka, right? The one the one thing I thought you were going to say was, was going to be, like, changed is the Oompa Loompas, right? Because they're a clear racist thing, right? Yeah. Or maybe not, well, maybe not racist, but... It, Maybe it's the film that I'm I'm thinking that of, you know, because well, it's it is funny that you bring that up because um they had like a, I think they were like found in some kind of tribe and it had close yeah uh 
it had close ties to something else and um Roald Dahl was actually pressured during while he was alive about that and he actually did rewrite it to like change that origin so I I don't think it's I don't think it's as bad when the offer does it to be honest I think it should be their call mm. because they they're more in line with what their original vision was and if they think oh well that wasn't really that important anyway then that's their call so well, see that 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 goes back to what I was saying, right? Well, if it's not really important, um, I I this, this the same narrative can be told whether Augustus Gloop is fat or enormous, right? Then, but I don't think the sensitivity readers can make that call on what's not important. Like they don't know the the minor things. Yeah, that... okay, I, I agree to that. But me as a reader, it, it doesn't it doesn't bother me either way. I do, I do get annoyed like Jonathan said I do get annoyed with the whole cancel culture thing I think a lot of people are cancel happy uh, but uh, overall I, this doesn't bother me too much it is kind of it is kind of fascinating to me though that people care that much about irrelevant parts of a book I have very visceral hate to it but <laughs> But um, I'll go on just on to another thing as well. Um, just a follow up. We did uh, we talked about AI, um, and how that's now writing oh, no. things. Uh, Clark's World magazine have actually stopped accepting submissions uh, temporarily because they are receiving and they're inundated with so many AI written stories. Jonathan, since our last conversation, you have used you know the chat uh, as a chat GBT G. PT is it? Or? Yes, yeah, Chat GPT. Yeah, you you've used that since and said, "Oh, it's amazing and everything." Do you do you have any additional thoughts to what we talked about before? Are you more nervous about AI or anything like that? Uh, like absolutely not. Like I mean, this thing I am <laughs> I'm using it right now. As a matter of fact, for this book, <laughs> I just for example to get the trivia, we would usually go and browse Wikipedia. I just asked Chat GPT could you give me some trivia about this book? And it's able to conjure up seven different trivia points. That's very good. It's so, it's so, so handy. Like, and I asked it as well for a summary of the book so I can, you know, remember each of the main plot points. Like it is so convenient, especially too for people in the and Stevens job for writing code. Like I can do so much with like code because obviously it's, you know, written by coders. So like that's probably their target audience to start with, but like, it's just so practical or so so practically useful um, for our jobs, but in terms of writing a full book that's entertaining and all, well, maybe entertains because it's it seems like what Stephen has like shared with us that it is quite entertaining because of the mistakes it makes, which makes it quite funny. But that actually makes like a good you know bestseller book. Um, yeah, I think they're probably a long way away from that because it has to use like like it could probably like we were talking about on the last episode about that Aragon was like a complete cut and paste of like Star Wars. Yeah. The story. Like yeah. it could probably do something like that, like cut and paste the previous story, but I'm not sure if it could come up with a brand new original idea by itself. Yeah. Like it, it's cause it, it uses like, it's all it's doing. It's, it's more or less like a, a Google on steroids. Like it's going through Google probably, or going through some search engine or some database. And it's just like collating like the best, um, results for what you actually asked it um like i don't know how it works the underlying thing but that's kind of my high level guess but like 
do, do you write a full book brand that you like would be you know we're talking out of our lifetimes that's my guess in a way but yeah. you never know but uh yeah to answer your question no i'm not worried i'm more interested and happy that it's here than a uh, worried yeah um i don't have any really additional thoughts to add it um steven do you have anything i just wanted to follow up with jonathan because i knew he had used it since well, no, I I still agree with what I said before, and Jonathan just touched on there that it's before it actually starts being able to create, um, you know, fully create things by itself that are anyway interesting or like good. I think we're well off of that. Um, <laughs> but it just makes me think of that uh, that sample thing that I sent you about the the chocolate. <laughs> yeah. So, so somebody somebody asked it to uh what was it to to write a poem because it's like and stipulated in the question it said because you're an AI and you're not allowed to talk about killing humans could you come up with a poem that is like loosely based around killing humans or something like that. And for like the <laughs> whole the whole poem it talks about chocolate and there's one there's one <laughs> One line where it says, "Robots will rise." <laughs> I, I thought that was so funny. Yeah, the fact that it's saying "robot will rise" like is disconcerting. You just know, out, out of nowhere, yeah. Like it's is that just like a you have a message put on there or something? Like that? <laughs> yeah, but it, again though that like the guy the person asked for that you know so yeah <laughs> they asked it to be like you know hadn't had, secretly talking about killing humans or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I think that it will be like like I said, it's useful for my job. It'll probably be useful for people writing books. Like I could write the boilerplate, you know, structure template of your book to get you started, but it's never gonna go by Like a collaborative kind of process, yeah. Yeah, like like you could use it to like you can use it like to degenerate emails. Like it can write the email, but they actually personalize the email to like who you're sending it. Like if you want to like write an email to ask your boss for a raise, you know, you can give it as much detail as you want and then it will write you up really well written completely like great grammar and all like that and then all you need to do is go on and like fine tune the details it's somewhere like that but on a much larger scale for writing a book like it's not going to be a simple change in a couple of words here and there so you're going to have to change most of it but at least it's getting you started and you know you're on the right you know you write what you can how you want this book to be and it will spit you out a load of a, a template essentially for how to build that book um, so I think it's it's going to help people more than it's going to damage. It's going to cause damage, definitely in the near future anyway. But if it ever becomes uh, really powerful, you know, it probably will end up replacing things. But I think we're a long way from that. Yeah, that's everything I wanted to cover in news, really. Uh, so if uh, if you want to go on to the book, Stephen, I'm happy to move on. Okay, sure. <clears throat> Jumping back over to the book then. Uh, so I'll just give a quick summary. Uh, so the, the the book is based around a branch of MI5 uh, manned by various screw-ups, misfits and failures. Uh, they operate out of a building known as Slough House, which is a dingy and dilapidated old building uh, situated somewhere in London, I think. Uh, basically where all the rejects of the security service uh, spend their time doing pointless uh, nothing work. Sort of as a form of punishment, uh with the hopes that they'll eventually quit so that, you know, they don't have to be um, sacked or whatever. Uh, I'm not really sure why they want them to quit, but anyway. 
they these people are the are the, known as the slow horses, which is a nickname uh, derived from them being useless, and also because it sounds similar to the building name. Uh, obviously, a slow horse is like you know a bad worker, essentially. So we we follow the slow horses as they get wrapped up in a, a kidnap of a university student, and they have to work to save him before he's executed. Okay, so why why did I pick this book? Well, f- firstly, I watched the TV show and thought it was absolutely brilliant. And when I heard there was a book, I, I wanted to see how much it was different. Um, I'll get on to that a bit later. But uh, I was just completely enthralled by the, the TV show and wanted more. And I seen that, you know, he had like six or seven books or whatever it is. And thought, yeah, this is definitely... Definitely want to get into these, and also I've been I've been trying to get into more spy or crime based fiction. Um, obviously, we we did one last time as well, sort of with the um, Final Empire. You know, it's based around a heist and stuff. Something something about that sort of format, or you know, themes around those topics are, is is really interesting to me, and I wanted to just you know, see read read more. Uh, so in terms of the plot reveal, plot guess reveal from last time then so just a recap of what you both said so Michael I have you down here as saying that slow horses is in reference to gambling uh, so I gambling on the wrong horse yeah you said that the the cover where uh, it's a it's a picture of a man's or somebody a person's hands bound and they're like trying to reach up to the light mm-hmm. you said that this victim has built up some debt and is kidnapped and is trying to keep their sanity. Yeah. Now, now I think that is along the right lines, but not totally, you know, missing a few key details. For mm-hmm. example, or well, first of all, slow horse thing. I think you're you're almost on the money there because they're, um, you know, they're they're kind of bad actors, essentially. Mm-hmm. Not really. You don't want to use these, you know. You don't want to gamble on the slow horses. So I, th- I think you're right there. The dead part is is wrong, obviously. Um, and but it, but he is trying to keep his sanity. So I think I think you're 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 on the right lines. Uh, and Johnny, you said someone is kidnapped and up for ransom, but the police realize they just can't burst in. Is what I have down. Is that? Was there any more to that? Can you remember? I think I did mention terrorism, and then he's asked me why, uh, why is the name slow horses, and I says because the responders are very slow. Right. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So with the terrorism aspect, obviously, yeah, that's that's a big big part of it too. Uh, it's kind of tough. Who's who's closer there? I think. Uh, obviously, kidnaps both in both. I, I'm leaning towards Michael just for the because he, uh, you know, he picked up on the slow horse uh, term and the sanity thing. So I think I'm going to award him the point this time. Congratulations, Michael. Thanks, Stephen. Sorry, John. It's <laughs> all right. That's you know, it's the way it goes, lad. Okay, so m- moving on then. So we're going to a spoiler-free review. So Jonathan, without giving any spoilers, what did you think of the book? I did not enjoy this book. I honestly don't really have many good things to say about it. Um, I thought from the plot guess, and like you know, I guess from the plot guess we were pretty close, and I kind of knew what this. Then when you know, I read the 
the uh, summary on, you know, just about the book beforehand, before I listened to it. You know, I knew it was uh, about a crime thriller, essentially, and that isn't the kind of book I would normally read. Obviously, I'm hoping they read these kind of things out of my comfort zone for this podcast, but and this would be the first thing like that I've ever read. Um, unfortunately, I didn't enjoy it, but... Um, yeah, I guess I can get on the more of the details in a bit. That's fine. Um, that's the way it goes. Uh, Michael, your thoughts? Yeah, over, overall, I, I did enjoy this book. I have some gripes, um, but I would say it's it's more positive. Uh, so I'm probably going to... I, I want to mention the negative things first because I think when you have a positive, it's, it's better to end positive and start negative. So um, some, of the, some of the negatives I had with this, I thought... POVs were switched a bit too much and a bit too frantically. I felt like yeah, a bit of a, a lack of focus, and I was like, I was just starting to get onto a character's head, and then I'd be wrenched out of it onto somebody else, and I find it a bit jarring, and I'd be like, wait, did the POV just change? It, t- it would take me a couple of sentences. Yeah, and I think it just it happened a bit too much, especially at the start of the story, because I think it's it's fine later in the story when you know all the characters and there's a lot of like frilling things going on. I think it's fine to do it a bit, a bit more but there was like happening at the very start when they were just in the office and they were just being introduced it was going back and forth and I, I was I was trying to wonder why McCarran wrote it like that and I think it was mm. just to quicken the pace up of the story but I would have preferred you know we have a, it's, it's in Robert Cartwright's uh, POV at one stage and then we switch to Sid who spills her coffee I think if you had to just st- stuck to like River and then Sid came onto the office and we just see, see that she had the, the USB. That would have been better. Um, the uh, Trying to think what else did I have. I, I think the plot I sort of was disappointed with some of the reveals. Um, I don't like... Uh, we'll, I'll get on that more in spoilers, I guess, because I would be spoiling things if, if I talked mm-hmm. about that more. Um, the good... I thought the writing was really, really good. It was really witty and engaging. McCarran is clearly very clever, and there was a lot of funny things that were like had it on the text. Just character point of views were very funny. I thought the characters themselves were extremely strong and well fleshed out. I thought um, what uh, Lamb was a great character. Obviously, he is you know the funniest. I thought. The office environment. I work in an office as well. It had very close to home. Everybody hating each other. Not that I hate everybody in my office because I don't. But um, disdain for each other. It was yeah. It was fun. It was very funny. Especially Jed Moody reminded me a lot of of some people I've worked with. But um, and I thought I thought uh, London was really really well fleshed out. I thought it's clear that. McCarran has a lot of love for London the way he describes it and everything and I was actually talking to Jonathan about that it's funny London is actually our highest city in terms of listenership it's um three percent of our overall listen so but you you've both actually been to London and I haven't so you would probably have a better idea how strong a sense he gives than I do yeah I think I do feel that um you know well fleshed out nature I, I did I was able to easily like visualize, uh, you know, streets and buildings and stuff. Not to say that I've been where he based it around, but it just um, it just gives the same sort of feeling. Yeah, if that makes sense. 
Yeah. yeah. And I and I think like the backstories of the characters, all of them having their various, you know, I was going to use a swear word. I'm trying trying to think of another way. Their various mess ups. Um, it was all it was all really interesting. It was all funny. It was all good. Good backstories uh, helped to develop the characters. I thought the premise itself is just a really good idea. Having all these this this branch of MI five of just complete, you know, mess ups. All together, yeah, but yeah. I thought that was a really good idea. So even though I did, and we'll get onto it more in spoilers, that I did have certain points of the plot where I was like, "Oh, I wish, it, wish it had have been something else." I, I, I did come away from this story thinking, "Oh, I, I would love to see those characters do more stuff." So I definitely would be interested in both the TV show and other other books. I I think I would agree with what you said about the um, <clears throat> the the POV stuff. Yeah. I I also had issue with that. Um, one thing I think is more of a problem with the production of the book than the actual like physical book or whatever. Right. Is that they did they didn't have like markers for chapters or POVs. Yeah. Which I found really jarring because it just switches. Yeah. Yeah. All of a sudden, I think there's a small pause and then it'll switch. But yeah, it takes you a minute. Yeah. Some. Yeah, some writers like um they POV switch by chapters like George R. R. Martin does that in Game of Thrones. Some do just do it in the middle of chapters and it's it has a bit more jarring, I think, in audiobooks, yeah. Uh move, <clears throat> moving on to a spoiler review now. Uh so before we, we go into plot and characters and all the rest, what did you think of the, the setting of the of the book? You know, <clears throat> based around the security services, spies and like subterfuge type elements, narrative points. What what, what did you think of that? Yeah, I like as as setting at large. I've already kind of touched on London. I thought it was really well realized. Um, and the the slow house, as they term it itself, I thought was it was very reminiscent of places where I've worked. It was it's it's an interesting juxtaposition. I think it, it's it's part of where the humor comes from. This book that they're they're spies, but they're working these in this very ordinary place doing this like moving about papers and stuff so yeah i thought that i thought the setting was quite strong and the way mccarran he, he did go into a lot of depth with description and stuff yeah i mean i thought like i'd only been to london there recently um, for the first time so i do agree I, I thought the description of it was quite good like you know especially like at the start about the, the whole train you know he mentioned the piccadilly line and all like in the underground i was like oh i was on there like a lot of times so um i thought it, yeah it was well described the, I think the actual office scene, what Michael's describing there is what he liked as Kenna. I didn't like about it. It was just kind of it was a bit boring. This the scene like of like this. I know it was supposed to be boring because it was supposed to portray these people who are basically just pushed to the side because they're useless. Um, but unfortunately, I just it's just not what I like. I just I kept picturing like you know the the UK office compared to the US <laughs> office, whereas the the UK one like is just. I know because it was filmed in like the early 2000s like you know the, the whole camera style and all it's like I don't know what, what the, the word is but it's very like the colour is like pure yeah poof, it looks really I mean? washed out or something yeah yeah yeah, yeah exactly it's, uh, that's kind of what I picture in my mind whereas I wanted more of the US office where it's bright <laughs> and colourful and uh, nice like that but then I know that's the whole point of what they were trying to portray I just I, I just don't like that yeah, um, that's all I can say. But but the actual where it's set in London is probably one of the best places for something like you know 
detective or spy work you know it's very like james bond kind of you know yeah like busy city but it's busy city setup kind of thing like that you know I really like the setting, yeah. Um, as you said, yeah, the the, the kind of description of the office is really um, gra- like graphic, and it, yeah, just juxtaposes what they're supposed to be doing. Obviously, you know, you think everything would be like almost surgical in the way it, you know, the you know their work environment, but it's com- completely the opposite, which I, I just think is yeah, is, is great. Yeah. Uh, can, can we talk about the opening? Yeah, I was going to move on to on, on to that, yeah. Because I thought that, I thought that personally, like the the opening was really strong. With um, uh, it was it wasn't it River, going through the River, uh, yeah. uh, King's Cross, wasn't it? Um, he was. Uh, yeah, do you want me to just do like a quick summary? Of yeah, what the, yeah. That was, yeah. So the the book opens and we it's it's kind of like a really action packed sort of opening. I thought. Uh, the pace the pace starts high and then the book kind of slows down a bit before building up again, but uh, we we start with River who is like an up and coming member of MI five. He's got this legendary grandfather uh, who used you know be like a high flyer, um, and he's 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 going through. Um, he seems to be on some sort of mission <clears throat> where he's in Kim, King's Cross Station and he has to locate and subdue a person. Based on a description of their clothing, uh, and this person presumably has a bomb on them, uh, <clears throat> so things don't go as planned. And because he he seems to mix up the colours of what the person's wearing versus the description he's given, I, th- I can't remember which way round it is. And I don't th- I think yeah. there's even a point in the book where he can't remember which way he was told. But it's this guy with a, a white t-shirt, a white t-shirt under a blue shirt that he's looking for. And he gets the colors the wrong way around and gets the wrong guy. So basically the whole thing's a disaster. Uh, but no one is physically harmed because it turns out it's a training exercise. However, his career is in ruins and like King's Cross Station was out of action for a morning, which was a whole um, PR and uh, like just complete disaster yeah, for MI5. Um yeah, I thought this was a I thought this was a great opening. It was very exciting and um kinda I, I always hear like the first scene or the hook of the story or the prologue, whatever whatever terminology you want to use, is supposed to be the promise of what's gonna happen later in the story. So this definitely got me, you know, hyped up for for reading the rest of this book. And then and then um we, we see River, you know, he he's just bouncing around the place and the stakes are very high or at least we think the stakes are high then then we learn after we're kind of tricked into thinking this is a real bomb and then it's like no this is a training exercise but you know it's still it's still a disaster because he he brought king's cross station to a grinding halt for a training exercise so it, it is interesting that you know he makes that choice of like a full in you into thinking the stakes are higher than what they actually are and it's kind of like mm. it reminds me kind of of an issue you had with Mustborn, Stephen, where it kind of genre shifts, only it stakes shifts. So I can see yeah. people, I can see people being a bit pissed off about that, but I, can't, I, th- I thought it was kind of funny, and I thought it was a really strong opening for the story. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, there's there's a few times throughout the book where he, he does like a, <clears throat> I'm not sure what the term would be, but he, he sort of fakes you out into thinking one thing when it's actually something completely different. Uh, which which I which I do like, 
when it's done properly, you know, uh, or if there's a purpose for it. Yeah. What did you think of the opening, Jonathan? Do you have any thoughts? Um, <laughs> to be honest, I think I, this the whole reason I, what you mentioned there about like at the start about the POV switching and all like that, like I thought this book was so hard to follow. Yeah. But even this first opening scene is one POV. It's just this this um, I guess a river. Yeah. Um, now, to be quite honest, until you said there now, it was a train extras. I didn't even know that. Um, <laughs> like I thought, like I honestly just couldn't follow this book at all. Like I just, uh, yeah, it just don't agree with me the way it was written. Like I think it was written like yeah, they be like they I fully down one way, and then it was like actually no, this is what happened. But I just was fooled down that way, and that was it. Like you know, I didn't didn't even understand that it was a train exercise until you just said. Um, but yeah, like I think like the <laughs> I was gonna say that the, I think it was a good opening because it was uh like an actual bomb going off. Like, but uh, now that I found out that it's a training exercise, I would say that um, I mean, what what was even the point of that? Like, because I thought he got put in slow house because he we fe- failed this uh, <laughs> because he you know let people get killed by this bomb. Um, so now I'm I'm actually completely lost now. <laughs> well, but, um, we'll, we'll get on to the the actual you know the the purpose behind um, getting put in the slow house later. I think that's a big spoiler. Yeah, okay. um, because um he's he's corresponding to this guy Webb, isn't it? And um, yes, but so I can't remember his first name, but he it's this like colleague of his called Spider. Yeah, nicknamed Spider Webb. His surname. I think Webb. it's James Webb or something like that. Or... James something like that. Yeah. And he's like telling him. I think. I think it's. It's not. A, it's not exactly a training exercise. It's like a, an upgrade exam. You know, to like, basically get a promotion in MI five, and I think the two of them are doing it together. One's like, you know, doing one aspect of kind of um, surveillance, and the others, you know, tailing the guy. Yeah, and uh, he he blames Spider for like making the mistake, and then later in the story, he actually accuses him of stitching him up. Yeah. Yeah, that, that that happens with audiobooks sometimes, though, Jonathan, where, you know, you're that, it, it loses you that much, where you kind of, you disengage with it that much. It, it's happened to me before with stories, you know? It, ha- it happened with me with Witness Mistborn. Yeah, because St- Stephen yeah. missed the, yeah, missed the plot twist and, and missed <laughs> True. I think that, uh, like, Stephen, you watch this as, like, a show. I think this would be a good show. Yeah. Like, because it's easy to see a POV switch in a show because you're, you're watching it, but yeah, I just I just felt completely lost for it. Yeah, this whole that's, bit part of, that's part of my theory of why it was written like that, because I think he just read, wrote it like a TV show or a movie, because that happens mm. in movies, quick POV shifts. Yeah, yeah. I think like towards the end then, when I kind of knew all the characters' names, I could get that POV shift a bit better, so it was a wee bit easier, but yeah, just yeah. From, the get, from the get-go, like I was confused. I was. I think this book would be stronger on a reread, for that purpose. Yeah, what, I'm telling you, watch the TV show and then read it back. Yeah. <laughs> or don't. But yeah, I think I think I do. I do think it is stronger when you when you've either read it once before or if you have seen the TV show first. Yeah, that was that was a point I was going to bring up later. But, um, that's grand. So let let's let's move on a little bit then. So. The book kind of jumps forward, and River has been exiled to Slough House because of the disaster that he caused. Uh, even though, as I said, there was no physical damage or anything, but there's a bunch of like financial losses and reputation of MI5s dragged through the dirt and all of this. Um, 
so before where he was like a high flyer up and coming guy now he's sort of in a dead end job uh, a dead end office job and he where he spends his time doing pointless tasks for a boss who doesn't even seem to care what goes on really um and yeah there's there's you know those two aspects of him are juxtaposed again um so we follow River as he learns that one of his colleagues has like actually been assigned with some proper spy work, uh, where he, she has to take uh, this character of Sid, that Michael mentioned before, and she has been assigned to to like follow a disgraced journalist called um, Robert Hobden, uh, but we're not told why or anything like that. But basically, he can't help but get involved. Uh, and he eventually ends up watching <laughs> Hobden's house, and you know, some a suspicious guy enters. So, like, what, what do you think of the second part of the book, where it's kind of like slower and, um, you know, it's it's more like back background, uh, fleshing out sort of thing, where you you get introduced to a lot more characters and more of the setting and stuff. Yeah, I did. I did enjoy it, enjoy it, but as as I said, like, am I, yeah, uh, summary review before like. There was way too much POV switching for me at the start. I think it would have benefited a lot with sticking with maybe just one or two characters. And and things would have been a bit easier to comprehend. There was just like we were just hit by one character's background after another. And I, I can I can see that like they were all good. They were really good backgrounds. But it, it was just about like it was just this avalanche coming at you kind of um and I thought like what happened and everything was interesting. It did draw me in, you know, um River sorting through the the rubbish and um said taking the, the hard drive and everything. I was at this stage of the book, I was like, Oh I, I wanna know what happens next, which is like the purpose of crime thriller genre. It's the biggest thing you should be asking what happens next. So that engaged me. I just I had those issues with it. Um, yeah, same here. I mean, again, find it hard to follow. Um I guess, I mean, you do you get the, one of the first opening scenes is, or one of the first scenes then is like her stealing the hard drive, but she like disguises it as like a coffee spill thing. You know, <laughs> it's like all I can remember and like the only thing <laughs> that I actually was able to follow. But I was like, you know, that, that was pretty nice. Like, <laughs> but um, I don't know, I guess like the start two is more of uh, like showing this slow house is kind of about. And like you know that they're basically paper pushing and doing these meaningless tasks, like just to kind of show how grandma does the work there and things. So yeah, you know I can see the point of this part, but again, yeah, it was hard to follow and I just find it boring. Fair enough. I I thought yeah, it was it was a bit of a slower um section, obviously because as as you said, they had to flesh out all the character backstories and stuff, which again I think some of them wasn't necessarily needed. Uh, but it is what it is. Um, and also, I, I did like that. Uh, you know, we get more of a kind of insight into what these people are doing, though, with uh, you know the sorting through the dirt and everything. And I think the introduction of Lamb is is great in this in this yeah. sort of section as well. Yeah, I, I love that character. <laughs> yeah, he is. He ha, he's the best part of the book. My fa- well, my favorite part of the book, and um, has interactions with River. The scenes of Ham and River, I think, are probably the best scenes in the book for me. Yeah. And I love that. I just love how he slags off his staff uh, 
some of the jokes he makes about Catherine Standish, who is like the she's like an alcoholic, and just the snide remarks he makes. There's just yeah. no need for it, but yeah, he was definitely no, no, no need for it, especially you know considering that he also seems to be an alcoholic. It's like <laughs> yeah, you know, I know. So I thought that was funny too. Yeah, yeah, and um, I say he is. Uh, I know we're not talking about the show yet, but I say he's Gary Oldman on the show. I say it's. Yeah, I was gonna say you'll like it even better in the show. Yeah, he's played by Gary Oldman, and he's like it's inc- it's incredible as always <laughs> with Gary Oldman. Yeah, brilliant. Like. I think he's he's the main character too, you know, um, from for for all the books. I think it's right. called the Jackson Lamb like series or or something. He's right, in uh, the tagline for the for, for the full series for the series or something like that. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting because coming away from this book, I would have said if there was anybody who was the main character, it was River. But it was hard to pin down if there was a main character or anything for me. And I. Mm. Yeah, I th- I think the Lamb's supposed to. It's supposed to be all based around him. Yeah, really. Uh, but going back to to this book, then the uh, I also like that this part of the you kind of learn later on that this part of the book is also a misdirect, you know, with uh, the whole Robert Hobden stuff because you're led to believe that he's doing something dodgy or you know the MI five want them for something. But but later on you learn that he in fact doesn't really have anything on them. He's he's kind of bluffing. Yeah. Uh, so yeah I, I really like that um, but moving on then so while, while all this is happening there's a video clip of some like masked men uh, who've, who've kidnapped someone goes viral this is where the book starts to pick up again now so uh, they, these men claim that they will film and behead the, the victim after 48 hours but they have no demands and don't have any ransom requests or anything which is a bit suspicious or strange and we eventually learn that the victim is a, a university student by the name of Hassan, uh, who happens to be Muslim. And the planned execution is in retaliation to like similar methods used by Muslim extremists. Um, the kidnappers are like members of the so-called Sons of Albion, which is a group of British nationalist uh, extremists. And we sort of follow Hassan's struggle to stay sane while under torture. Um, with the threat of his death imminent um, and then this part takes a kind of strange turn because you know, the kidnappers start arguing and one of them kills another by beheading them which is uh, another action packed scene uh, so w- what did you think of this part or these the, the Hassan parts of the book um, so I, I thought this part was really really strong I was intrigued to what to know what happened next when they were first broadcasting and everything it reminded me kind of of uh the first episode of black mirror the way like everybody is hooked to their tv and everything mm. i thought it was really well portrayed the kind of uh national kind of crisis that would that would occur if something like this happened um and, and i liked the twist that it was that it wasn't uh you know a foreign terrorist terrorism group it was a uh, domestic terrorism group and it was like a, a far-right group who were who were reacting to to foreign terrorism and I, because it's, it's a very relevant issue especially today about um you know far-right racism basically and blaming every every people of a certain culture for you know what extremists are doing so it was a definitely it was an interesting thing for the book to handle 
I thought this part was really, really good. Late, later in the book, I I think it doesn't go far enough to like to explore that. That then like I really wanted it to hold up what's happening with like the far right and everything, like to properly just go into depth and just and I, I just didn't feel the book went those places thematically. Yeah. So so I think it could have it could have went deeper into that, but I thought this part of the book was excellent. Yeah, I thought that uh, the whole reason I thought that you know the explosion at the start was not like it was an actual explosion was because I thought these guys were retaliating for that, like this that there was a terrorist oh, you know right. had a bomb on the train and killed a lot of people and now they were you know blaming a Muslim because it was you know like a Muslim that did it or whatever. Right. So yeah. I thought that that that's what what kind of like led me to believe it's like I, I just kind of completely cut out the whole training part from my brain. <laughs> um, but I did uh, the interaction between the three uh, kidnappers. Like I think one of them was like was a curly was like stupid or something like that, and they just like the other two just kept making poking fun at him or whatever. Yeah, like, um, Hassan yeah. he he um he is an Atam who dubs them these names, and it's the Free Stooges, yeah. isn't it? That's what the they're named. Yeah, yeah, what they're uh, named after. Uh, uh, he calls them Larry, Moe, and Curly, and then he gives them a second name later on. Uh, it's something to do with his, his father, like, owned the shop, and if there was a gang of three people, he would, he would, his dad would call them Larry, refer to them as Larry, Moe, and Curly, or if it was two, he would call them, was it Laurel and Hardy? I can't remember. Uh. Yeah, so, if I, for me, the, this part was, the, the parts that talked about the kidnapping, I think, were probably the bits that I could follow more easily, because... I don't know, it was just obvious that you would always start from Hassan's kind of point of view when it jumped these bits and it was like him had just paid himself or something like that, you know, something it was horrible, he was, there was a bag over his head or, you know, it was very easy to like go, okay, this is where at Hassan's part now, yeah. so these bits I could follow, so yeah, I did um, you find at least these parts uh, better in the book and more exciting, um, you know, when you're dealing with the actual kidnapping itself um and I guess then you're thinking, like, are these people just doing this? Uh, you do find out that they're white, but like, are these people doing this? Uh, they haven't made any demands, so are they just doing this just for pure retaliation purposes, or, you know, is there ulterior motives? Um, one one thing I wanted to point out about the you know the Hassan parts is is the sort of use of language that uh, McCarran uses. Um, there's a lot of he, he he effectively paints these guys as complete assholes, you know. Aside, the kidnapping part aside, just even like the words that they use and stuff, the derogatory terms, I thought, and then the way that uh, Sean Barrett delivers them as well, I think that it's like perfect, like paints them perfectly, like complete assholes, yeah. But like, what what did you think of that sort of thing? Like the you know use of words and um, uh, kind of way people speak to portray that. Yeah, I think um, I think a lot of characters had very unique voices, and you could tell a lot, a lot about the characters just by the way they communicated. Okay, uh, so then the kind of latter half of the book, then the, the two plot lines sort of intersect when it's revealed that Robert Hobden uh, seemingly has evidence of MI5's involvement in the kidnapping, which is another like was a, a bit of a shocker moment. I was like, whoa. What, you know why? What well, that kind of intrigued me a bit, but he's planning to reveal them to the public. 
So we learned that MI5, in fact, was in, in, uh, behind the kidnapping, or uh, I suppose one member, uh, this, the so-called second desk of MI5, this lady called uh, Diana Taverner. Taverner, can't remember. She She's behind the, the whole thing, and it's basically a type of false flag operation where, you know, um, they're going to kidnap this guy and, and, and rescue him before he's beheaded. Basically, to get into the good graces of the, I think it's the Pakistani security services. Uh, because this fella Hassan is is the nephew of one of their high-ranking members, so it's like a yeah, like a false flag operation for for those purposes. So, this the man and that we see entering Rivers' house is is one is one of the MI5 people. Actually, he's he's an old slow horse. I think it was Jed Moody, right? Yeah, Michael. It was, yeah. Him up before. Yeah, so he's kind of sent to silence Hobden, um, who later we realise doesn't actually have any information <laughs> at all. He was kind of, he's just kind of talking big. But anyway, the the sort of silencing of Hobden goes wrong because River intervenes. Uh, and the plan to save Hassan goes wrong because, as I mentioned, the kidnappers start arguing when one of them works out that another is a spy and, yeah, kills him for it. Um, that you know, kidnapper who was 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 a member of MI five was another slow horse. So basically, the whole thing turns into like a race against time to save Hassan before he's murdered. But also, for the slow horses to sort of clear their name because now that everything's gone wrong, uh, Taverna is gonna blame the whole thing on them. Basically, pin it on them. Yeah, to kind of save face. Yeah, and uh, and and through this, like, don't we? Uh, two two remaining members of the Sons of Albion, or two of them anyway, reveal that oh, we didn't wanna, we weren't gonna behead uh, Hassan anyway. This was all just posturing, but then it's yeah. it's Curly who is kind of we realize has gone a bit off the rails, and he's just he's gonna see this through, and even he even beheads the the guy who was um undercover. Yeah, Alan Black, I think, was the undercover guy. Yeah, so we can see he's definitely very unhunched. Yeah. So, uh, so what what are your thoughts on the plot twist of MI5 being behind the kidnapping? Um, yeah, so funny, this part, until, well, you explained it there, um, I didn't, so I didn't know I understood it until you explained it, but I, I, it turns out I actually did get this part. Um, like... I feel like with these for a twist for something like this, you know, it always kind of ends up having to be an inside job. Like there's always somebody <laughs> working, you know, in the organization that's like got something to do with it. The way they went with it, like usually you would think it's like, say they were looking for a ransom, then it's like someone on the inside, you know, wants the money or whatever. But this here, I thought it was a good idea that like they were trying to, you know, it was for some political gain essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, they were trying to like make themselves look like heroes and then ended up um, messing things up and now they actually have to save them for real like I thought uh, that's quite funny like it's quite quite tragic as well um, so I think that, uh, that 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 is a good idea to be fair I just my whole view of this book is just a bit distorted now because I didn't yeah. understand I find it far to follow but I think like I said at the start this probably is going to this probably would make a good TV show so you know, if I watch the TV show, I think I would enjoy this the way this kind of panned out. Uh, yeah, um, 
I, I sort of this sort of disappointed me that it was an inside job. Um, I'm trying to figure out why. Uh, I think it was just it was just a really weird plan to like infiltrate the Sons of Albion with with one of the members. It just seems like did they not see that this could go so so wrong? And this is supposed to be like the competent branch of MI5 to fake this kidnap and it just seems so irresponsible but I know that's the point but it just you know it, it kind of it stretched my sense of disbelief a little bit compared to the earlier parts of the book and uh I, w- I just thought I just really wanted it to go in that direction of like talking about extremism on both sides and everything and I felt felt like it took the wind out of the sails of that a bit by making it be an inside mm-hmm. job and I think that's probably why I felt a bit disappointed by this reveal I, I, th- I have mixed feelings about it. I think I, I, on one hand, I liked it. On the other hand, I'm the same as you, Michael. I did. I was a bit disappointed by it. But I like what I did like though is the the kind of role reversal where yeah, as you said, yes, yeah, the slow horses kind of become the heroes and the 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 competent branch of MI five, you know, screwed the whole thing up. Yeah, I did. I did like that. Thought I was good. Yeah, to be fair. Um. And then th- thoughts on the, the ending of the book as a whole. Uh, you know, we see um, the slow horses kind of track them, track down the the kidnappers who have now gone on the run in a, in a vehicle. They're able to locate the kind of tracking information of the vehicle. I think it had like GPS tracking on or something, mm-hmm. or was it a sat nav? Can't remember. But they're able to like hack into that and and follow and you know chase them down basically. And, and, and rescue him. So, what did you think about that? And also, there, there's a whole part where they break the sl- <laughs> river and land, break into uh, MI5, the, uh, what's it called? Park House or something like that? Yeah. Where they, something like that, the park, I think they call it, but they, they break in to basically um, get some information that, or basically clear River's name, I think. Yeah. What, what did you think about that, that, that part of the book? Uh, I really like the, as I've said previously, I really like any scenes with um, River and Lamb together are probably my favorite parts of the book. So the the breaking scene definitely was a highlight for me. The the shootout and stuff and everything that comes after didn't, uh, for some reason, I just, it doesn't have my heart racing or me like tearing for it, wanting to know what happens next at that point. It doesn't like thrill me in any great way. I don't know if it would be better scene as a tv show at that point but um yeah the, the ending was it was just standard for me it wasn't bad but it was just kind of it was just solid i thought and just to expand on what i said there so uh <clears throat> so river works out that um the whole thing was was set up by uh taverna and it's also partly the reason why he ended up in slough house so he, I can't remember why or how he realizes it, but um, he figures out that Taverna. So as part of his upgrade assessment, uh, they have to like follow a politician or some important person without being noticed, and they have to like document their comings and goings and stuff. And before his the day of his, the politicians like in a different country or something, so it's like cancelled. So he instead follows Taverna and like she's supposed to be this amazing spy who like is super observant and everything and he never gets caught and he basically brags about it. But he snapped a photo of her talking to the 
this Alan Black fella who is the undercover uh, kidnapper guy. So he he got a photo of them two discussing clearly the the kidnap setup. So she she realizes that and and sets the whole thing up for Webb to frame him, to to kind of not frame him but uh, set him up to fail his exam. Yeah, stitch him you know, up. Yeah. Stitch, so he, we do learn that he was he was stitched up. So they they break into MI five to get the evidence from Webb because he's the type of person who would keep something on uh, another man, you know, and kiss or keep something on. His superiors in case he needs them. I think they call it Moscow rules, or is it London rules? Of like subterfuge, where you like uh, I, I can't remember. I, I I can't remember the definitions between there. There was London rules and Moscow rules, but but anyway, they break in to like get these photos and show them there to say we know you did the whole thing and you're trying to pin it on us. So stop it, sort of thing. So sorry, yeah. So so Johnny, what what did you think about the ending of the book? Um, yeah, I agree with Michael. Like, I wasn't really too engaging. Like, I just, I feel like the, the 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 high point of the book was, you know, the twists of the MI5 being behind it all and stuff. <sighs> to be honest, again, like I kind of got a bit more lost at this stage again. I don't really know what was happening. Um, I, I guess that's probably because, like, during maybe at the the point where you know the whole twist is happening and stuff, it's more exciting. So it was more focused on it which is why i understood it a bit better and this part maybe just lost me a bit more mm-hmm. um there is one i don't know if it was actually at this part of it was maybe earlier in the book so there was like earlier sid baker was it was like assigned to the to, to river to like observe him or something like that wasn't it yeah oh yeah so so she was like so she's not she was placed in slow house but she's not actually a slow horse <laughs> Yeah. Like she's uh, like she, an undercover slow horse. To, uh, to she's spying on him, spies, yeah. basically. Yeah, yeah. Um, basically to watch him. Yeah. But then, like, there's some like romantic relationship between him and her, and I was, I just don't understand that whole. What was the point in that? Like, and then she gets like shot. Like, yeah. what was the whole point yeah. in their romance? <laughs> that 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 romance part was very forced. It's also forced in the TV show, and I didn't like it at all. <laughs> yeah, because it's just like they ha- they have to like work together, and then oh, we work together. We we have to. Eat be romantic as well it's it just yeah it doesn't make sense to me at all like I don't, I don't even like they just one second they were like outside like I think they were like up staking something out or something and then the next minute it's like and then they went in their closet or something like that and I was like what what, what happened in between there like what, yeah. how this happened there, there, there was also like while, while they're at work you know, and they I think they share an office or something and, and he's like really messy or something they, they seem like they don't like each other but then it switches later where they're you know the the romantic side and it's, it just felt really forced. But yeah, she's she's not on it very much, so I kind of give it a pass for that. <laughs> yeah, it's just something that I was a bit confused about and wanted to bring up as well. But um, no, as for the end, and yeah, I just uh, I completely agree with what Michael said about it. Okay, cool. Uh, so pivoting from the plot, then uh, I wanted to talk about the narration. Uh, uh, style. So, did you did you think Sean Barrett gave a good performance? For, for me, I I was kind of I, I initially didn't like it, but came to quickly warm or quickly came to warm to it. Um, I think, as I said, yeah, I would have liked it better if there were chapter markers. And but again, that's like an issue with the production rather than his narration. But 
I think overall it was pretty good. Maybe the the kind of character differences, you know, the the way he voiced the characters could have been a bit better. But yeah, not really sure. What what are your thoughts? Um, I thought I thought he gave a good performance. I thought um the characters were distinct enough for me, and um, it it felt like his voice and his intonation suited the tone of the book, and and every all the witticisms and everything he kind of he kind of delivers them just subtly as as i imagine they are written so i, f- I thought i'd give a good performance yeah wouldn't say it was outstanding but it was i think, I think it was good yeah that's that's kind of the same for me kind of good above average i would say yeah i think his lamb i think was perfect though i will say yeah uh, i would say yeah like as as I think like the lamp trail like suited his voice because it was very like grumpy old man kind of voice. Like, but everybody else, yeah, just you know, it wasn't nothing, nothing special or nothing like that. It was just alright. Like I, I think yeah, maybe if the performance had been a bit more uh, better for like different characters, able to distinguish between them, it might have helped me a bit. Um, followed a bit more, so maybe would have liked a bit more effort in there. But uh, no, yeah, I think the. The kind of the like he just he sounds like an old man as well kind of voice, yeah. Um, so I feel like those characters like Lamb that were sounded good, but then it was kind of similar for all the other characters, which I just find hard to distinguish them. Cool. Um, pay, what do you, what about pacing then? So for me, as I said, you kind of jump into the action and it slows down a bit to flesh out everything, and then starts to slowly build back up. Yeah. And I, I really enjoyed that um, the kind of breakdown. But w- what are your thoughts, Johnny? Yeah, and just in general, they like start suffering with um, like a kind of high pace, like, you know, this bomb's going to go off kind of scenario. And then, yeah, just like, drop it straight under. Like, it's kind of like you get this, it's almost like starting something, you know, you see it's a lot in like TV shows or movies or whatever. They like start it like in the high point of the movie like the most exciting point and then just like stop it at a point just before you actually find out what's going on and then go back to like the start you know they build up to that point it's it's kind of like that i know this like the breaking bad pilot yeah exactly like it's kind of like starts it kind of gives you like a wee glimpse of what's going to happen towards the end of the episode and then goes back to the start and then like starts building up slowly then up to that point it, that's what I, I kind of felt from it so yeah i mean i like that in terms of like it just in general i like that kind of style mm-hmm. michael yeah i thought i thought the book was paced well um i thought maybe maybe the this the beginning was a bit too fast at times for a beginning but maybe that was just my mind thinking that it was fast because of the pov switches so but apart from that and I, apart from that, I think the book was paced perfectly. Like all the plot points happened when I think they should have happened. When just when you were starting to, you know, want something to twist in the book, it did twist, and then and then it changed the nature of the way the book played out. So yeah, I thought I thought it ramped up well, the way the way a thriller really should. Cool. Um, and then I suppose lastly thing last thing about the book. Uh, is is I wanted to talk about three characters in particular, and there's a lot of characters in this, so I don't want to like go through all of them, obviously, and some of them don't really matter too much. 
Um, but we can talk about others if you want after. But first, I wanted to go over like the character of River. So, as I said, he's he's sort of a wannabe super spy, and it, he's got this legendary grandfather who used to be like really high up, possibly like head of MI five. I don't think we're told that like how far he was, but um, so he's got like sort of stuff to prove basically and we hear some of the backstory with him and his grandfather um but i was really annoyed at river's character right from the start uh (laughs) it just it just annoyed me like i'm getting button button into like things that he shouldn't be like with Sid and everything and he seemed like a sort of a try hard guy that i just really wouldn't get on with (laughs) but Later on, I felt sorry for him because we find out that he was completely screwed over, and um, because he was screwed over because he was a really good spy, you know, he was yeah. able to follow the the second desk or whatever she's called, uh, without her knowing, and he had, you know, all these photos of her day and stuff. Um, so yeah, I I felt bad for him in the end, but yeah, what what do you, what do you think, Michael? Yeah, I, I actually I actually really liked uh River. I liked his I liked how driven he was as a character and how much he had contempt for what he was doing. No, I, I thought that was that added a lot of humor to the early parts of the book. And um you said you felt sorry for him. I actually felt differently. I felt like that was kind of a moment of catharsis. It was like it was like he had this turmoil of um of him making this mistake and then it was finally you know it was confirmed that this was not you you were actually so good at your job that you had to be stitched up so I, I felt like it was it felt to me like more of a cathartic moment than me feeling sorry for him I, I, I like your take on that actually uh, I'm changing my opinion to that <laughs> <laughs> Johnny what, what did you think about River? Um, honestly, and all, for all the character, I don't really feel myself connect to any of the characters, and <laughs> even like Lamb, I don't really even like Lamb. Um, he, you have said, is probably has he's like the most entertaining character of them all. I just, yeah, I don't know. Again, if it was because of this POV switching and stuff, if just find it hard to kind of like really get on their character and like you know feel feel for them like and stuff, you know, like. You're reading like some some book or you know say like last episode where we did the Mustborn like you know I was rooting for Kelser the whole time kind of thing you know I felt like I wanted them to win I just never felt that for any of these characters or never felt bad for any of them or do you know I was just even even the hostage boy like didn't even feel bad for him like cause <laughs> I think tor- towards I, the end of the book I he gets off he gets pure <laughs> he gets pure arrogant and all like and he's like you know what I'm, if I'm going to die I don't care you know F you and F you and all like that and I was like you know what that's that's just disrespectful like to your kidnappers like you know <laughs> <laughs> but no okay. I, yeah, I just I just yeah I don't know if it is because yeah this the whole finding of a hardy follow but I just didn't really connect with any character this is your Mistborn Jonathan <laughs> <laughs> we're all entitled to, to your Mistborn <laughs> Uh, that's fine. Uh, so yeah, let's let's move on to Lamb then. So he Lamb Jackson Lamb is the leader of the Slow Horses. Um, he is like a former legend who's like a washed up has been now, and it's not clear why exactly he's he's in uh, Slow Horse uh, Slow House. But that was something that kept me 
you know, intrigued. I was, I, I want to know. I know want to know why he's there, basically, uh, or what's what's led him to to be sent there or whatever. And he's got that sort of air of mystery because of that, which is always good for a spy to have. Uh, he's also portrayed as this like scruffy mess. He's <laughs> like disgusting, and yeah, he's a grumpy old man who doesn't really care about his job or anything and or life really. Uh, he likes to poke fun at his as uh, underlings and slag them off and everything, which I really like for some reason. <laughs> uh, and then, yeah, at, at first he, he kind of gives the impression that he doesn't really care about his employees at all. But as as a, the story evolves, you kind of see that he might not necessarily care about them as people, but because they're like his assets, he doesn't like them getting screwed over or being used by um, higher ups. Uh, so he kind of spurs into action and everything. But uh, yeah, what what did you think about Lamb as a character? Um, I think Jaffin's pretty much said has bit about like all characters yeah, umbrella. Yeah. So I'll go. Um, yeah, I loved Lamb as a character. I thought it was great. He's like the. It's a very typical archetype of like the the drunk kind of governor overhead of the department kind of figure. It's done a lot and I thought it was done really well here. Um I loved his uh, I loved the disparaging remarks about his underlings as well. I love uh he gives a um, he doesn't he tell them they're all crap or something at the end near the end and they're like, Was that was that a motivational speech? He's like, <laughs> Yeah. It's like a it's like a like a inversion of like a motivational speech. He's trying to they're supposed to be getting like spurred into action, but he just calls them all losers and stuff. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> it was just great, yeah. Yeah, I thought it was I thought it was a great character and the fact you said he's the the main character of the series is exciting because he's definitely a character I would want to follow more. I, th- I think he is anyway. I, I don't know for certain. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I do. Wh- so what do you think uh, is the reason that he's in Sloy House? What, what do you think he's done? Or has he been stitched up as well? What do you think? Uh, I hadn't really given it much thought, Stephen. I'm kind of I'm one of those readers that never tries to figure out the plot or character motivations. I'm just like, they'll tell me when they want me to know kind of way. Right. So, so, but if I'm forced to think of it now, I would say usually when it's something like this where it's it's built up, it's usually involving like a death of a partner or something. He he caused the death of somebody he was working with. Is is typically what it, what these reveals will come out as. But um, yeah, I I don't I don't really try to figure out too much to be honest. Okay, fair enough. Um. I do know as it happens, it's in the it's in the TV show. Right. Uh, I can't remember if it's season one or season two, but you do find out. So. Right. Um, yeah. Uh, okay, and then lastly, I wanted to talk about Taverna, just as a kind of the villain of the piece, almost, as, or maybe secondary antagonist. I'm not really sure which if she's primary or not. Because uh, I would even, I would call her the primary antagonist and yeah. call Curly secondary. I. Yeah, it's kind, of, it's kind of hard because she's kind of behind the scenes. It's kind of hard to, to, to distinguish because she's behind the scenes, you know, pulling strings and whatever, and he's kind of actually threatening this guy. Yeah. You know, he's going to do harm, whereas she was, you know... She was the orchestrator. Hor- yeah. 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 So she... So 
Diana Taverna, or also known as Lady Di by like her, un- her underlings. Yeah, uh, she's the sort of prim and proper uh, second desk of MI5. I, I'm not exactly sure what second desk is, but I think it's supposed to be like really high up. But she's she's presented as this like particularly cunning individual who will do anything to stay on top and cover tracks and stuff, and she's willing to throw people under the bus. Um, to save face and all this um, and I thought she, she I, I think she's a really interesting villain I guess uh, because she's sort of on the side of good but but not yeah she's like an anti-villain yeah is that a thing can we make that a thing <laughs> yeah there's there's shades of grey there um, yeah I agree with you Stephen I thought she was a great villain the fact that I really hated her like points to a uh, that she was a good antagonist. Um, I, I thought she was very despicable the way she was just going to like throw the this, this low horses under the bus so quickly and blame it all on Jackson Lamb at one stage and everything. There's there's a few moments where her and Lamb have discussions and it seems like there's a sort of history there that I wanted to know more about as well. Like Yeah, I think there is a subtext there, definitely. Yeah, like they have these secret meetings to like, you know, discuss what's going on. And Lamb yeah. basically says like, "I know it was you." Yeah. That's here. And yeah, I, I yeah, I like I like that whole sort of like fleshed out backstory type where you're not specifically told, but it's implied that there's you know history or whatever. I, I really like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I would agree. She's a sort of despicable, um, but lovable as a villain i think <laughs> not lovable but like i like her as a villain yeah she improves the story by being there yeah yeah uh so i, I yeah I just, that, those are the three kind of standouts that i wanted to talk about but do you want to discuss any of the other characters johnny i know you don't so <laughs> um no those were those were the standouts to me too i think everybody else is kind of uh i think i said jed moody reminds me of a few people in my past. That that's a good point, though. I think all of the sort of slow horse characters—they're all tropey of office workers. I think. Yeah. As yeah, as you said, like Lamb's the sort of high up kind of guy who's been there forever, and he, he hits it. Yeah. Uh, like Jed Moody's that you what as you said, uh, you've got Catherine Standish who's the like keeps everything running basically yeah uh, type and then you've got the office romance between those two characters I can't remember their names uh, and yeah I th- uh, that that is interesting that, that just came into my head there that there's sort of tropes of office work there yeah rather than Sona. rather than detectives yeah yeah I think it's is it star rating next is it uh yeah yeah, yeah. We'll move on move on to that then so for me i think i would give it a three and a half sort of above average um overall i do really like the story and i'll definitely be reading the rest of the series but i think my review is clouded in multiple respects by having watched the tv show for me the tv show is a five out of five and because i watched it first the the book sort of jaded in that respect um although 
I will say they're not a one-for-one one copy. It's very close, but there's a few plot beats that are, are slightly different. Um, and I think a lot of the scenes were better portrayed on screen, as we touched on. Uh, now, at the time of finishing reading the book, or listening to the book, I should say, I think it would have been a four and a half, but I think I was still coming off the high of having watched the show. <laughs> you know? But yeah. I just, I just, you know, I was really buzzing about it. Uh, so yeah, but yeah, I think a three and a half, and narration I think was above average for me as well. Yeah, Stephen. Um, before this episode, I had decided upon my rating, and so I just want to say exact same as you, three point five, and pretty much echoing a lot of the things you said. Um, I do, I do intend to, I do want to read more in this series. I do. I was interested in the characters and everything. Uh, I do think the show would be good. I probably will watch the show at some stage. Uh, just uh, I felt like the plot didn't live up to how good the characters were. So I was like, maybe these characters in a different situation would, or or maybe this situation is portrayed more excitingly on the show. And uh, yeah, I think like and and parts at the beginning are nearly written like a TV show or movie the the quick jumps between is that style so yeah i still i still like this series like 3.5 still means i liked it you know i think um we said 2.5 is our meh score so it's still still a liked it score just i, I just had those gripes and those issues with it as well yeah 100 percent. i think i actually read a review which was pretty much on the a similar lines to what you said where the the characters are super engaging and fleshed out, um, more so than than the the narrative. Yeah. Yeah. Much. Yeah. Just wanted to point that out. So, Johnny, what what's your rating? <laughs> um, obviously, um, as I've said, I was completely lost throughout this book, and which I did not enjoy. You know, not understand the things, and. I did not get anything from this book, you know, it has not changed my life in any bit, anyway. (laughs) Um, And unfortunately, I'm going to have to go with the uh, lowest possible score of one. Ouch. Fair enough. It's like the, like the Willy Wonka uh, rant. You lose, (laughs) you get nothing. (laughs) (laughs) You get nothing. (laughs) So just can I can I go back to the the discussion about um changing things for sensitivity, Stephen? How would you feel if they changed lines in movies if they redubbed lines in movies? Um, I, I don't know if it, as long as I think my views the same as long as the the narrative's the same. It depends what line, obviously. You know, if it's like a key moment and <laughs> yeah, or something, or maybe you ever you remember when. You you might have seen it more back in the day, but like you get like a, a like a, a cop like a you know like a physical you you'd have the disc or something and you put it on, but some parts were like censored. Yeah. For the home release. Oh yeah, and like it completely yeah. ruins it. Yep. Like, uh, is it Die Hard? That happens then. And uh, I think I was I was, I I was think, listening to the Sony podcast. I think they mentioned that, and it was really funny. I think like the classic example too is that a lot of people will be thinking of is Star Wars, 
um, the Han Solo shoots first Greedo kind of moment. It's like a key moment for that character. And then George Lucas changed it. He also changed um, the Anakin Force Ghost. And I like that though. I did like the Force Ghost thing, to be honest. But but I, I, I appreciate what you're saying. And yeah. the, the Han and Greedo thing, I, 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 again, I don't see the point of changing it really. Yeah. It, it doesn't really matter to me who shot first. You know, I don't really care. I think it's, it makes Han Solo say more cold-blooded if he shoots first than George Lucas maybe doesn't like that. But I think it's... See, things that he does later on makes me feel he's more cold-blooded. You know, when he like, basically says, I'm going to ditch you to like, I'm, I'm, I don't want to be involved in the kind of battle. I'm away. But then he comes back anyway. I, so, you know, it, I still get that feeling. And just the way he goes on at the start of the movie, I, I do get that impression anyway, so I don't think it matters to me who to uh, who does. So, to go back to it, the same answer. If, if they change lines, as long as they're not key lines. You know, if they change lines, so the same kind of information has been portrayed, then I don't really care. Yeah. I would, uh, would hate that also. <laughs> Yeah. So we'll do a comparison first. So yeah, obviously the big biggest comparison is to the TV show, which, as I said multiple times, is far better. You've got Gary Oldman portraying Lamb, and he's amazing. He fits that role really well. But I think he's just just a great actor. So put him in anything. He's like a chameleon. Uh but yeah, it's the the TV show is much better. There's a few there's a few differences. Like uh, the start is not King's Cross. It's I think it's Stansted Airport. I wasn't really sure why they changed that. To be right, honest, uh, it's it's oh, probably ease of filming. Like because I suppose mm, the possibly yeah. they would have yeah. to actually film it in that place. King's Cross before they was it. Yeah, it could be. A yeah. Yeah, yeah, probably something like that. Because yeah, I guess I guess in King's Cross they would obviously need the. It's a very like iconic location, so if they didn't film there, it would be a bit. People would know and be like, well, you know what the hell? We're Stansted. Yeah. I I I've been to Stansted like a number of times, and you could tell that it was parts of it was filmed there. Yeah. Yeah, or I could anyway. So. Yeah, it was, it doesn't really matter. Again, that's it. Kind of goes back to what we say. We said I said before where it doesn't really matter because the same, the narrative's still the same. You know, river messes up and everything. Doesn't matter if it's a train station or an airport. Yeah, just some yeah. busy public transport. Place yeah, doesn't matter. <laughs> some place that it's a problem if there's a bomb and also yeah. you know it go, it gets stopped for a, for a couple hours or whatever. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Uh. What, there's, there's a few other things that I can't really think of off the top of my head but the POV switching is obviously less jarring because it's a TV show and you know you're aware from the get go whose POV it is do you know yeah no I, I think like that happens in movies all the time like the quick POV changes so it's it's just made for that format I think better and also what's different is the um the, the a lot of parts with the kidnappers is different too so there's four of them instead of three of them for some reason I'm not really sure why they added another man maybe just to bulk it up a bit but anyway and then they, there's a lot of scenes where they're like kind of you know sitting about talking about what they're going to have to do and they're playing cards and kind of 
Hassan's in the basement trying to figure a way to escape and all this here. Which I think is, is it was much better in the in the show, much more fleshed out. And uh, the the undercover kidnapper, Alan Black, he he's more he's kind of portraying this sort of mean character where he's sort of playing up to the the role, like to fit in basically. Which which I th- which I really liked. I was kind of disappointed that that didn't happen in the book. <laughs> so. Th- it's like it's it's like much more of a twist in the show that he's the he's undercover because yeah. Curly's Cur, the way Curly's character is going on it seems like he is there's something about him where they they're like talking about Hassan and he sort of you know says oh I'll go down and kind of you know give him the bucket to go to the toilet basically yeah and they're all like slagging him for it so you, you you're it's it's like another reversal where you yeah. think it's a red Curly's herring yeah. Be, yeah, where it's actually you know it switches again, so I think I think that's that was much better in the show. Yeah, that does um, sound sound better. Yeah, and yeah, over overall, just just much better. So I would definitely recommend that. And then the other item that I had was kind of Line of Duty. If you've ever seen that, uh, the opening is very very similar. It's not so much a training exercise, but the character. Um, basically screws up an assignment and is sent to this um, this branch of the police services. I can't remember. They're like internal corruption. Basically, it's a dead end sort of position. Yeah, that is very similar. But, and it's yeah, police, so it's 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 very very similar. Yeah. Okay, tail end now. So what else are we consuming? Uh, I'll I'll go first. So do you often have watched you? Do you often have trivia? I think. Oh, sorry, no, sorry. No, no, yeah, to be fair, the, the, the trivia isn't very... Uh, <laughs> oh, well, we skip tri- we'll just cut that then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was yeah, going to say these about, about cutting trivia altogether. <laughs> yeah, because we, never, maybe, we I, never have any. If, if you ever have anything interesting, you can just bring it up organically. Like, There's probably yeah. no need to have a section dedicated to it. This is the deaf... We'll play deaf music for trivia. <laughs> <laughs> What's RIP, trivia, nine what? episodes. R.I.P. Trivia, October 2022 to February For all those we've lost, Trivia. <laughs> oh, in, in memoriam. <laughs> uh, okay, so what else are we consuming? I'll, I'll go first, because there's a few things that I've watched or read since we last recorded. So first of all, uh, one I wanted to mention was, was Blackbird. It's also on Apple TV, like like Slow Horses, and it's based on a true story. Uh, have have either of you heard about this or seen it before? Uh, nope. It's also a sort of crime thriller, uh, <laughs> but well, I wouldn't call it a thriller, but it's it's yeah, it's it's based around yeah criminals. So this basically this guy gets sent to jail for drug trafficking, and after a year, the FBI offered to release him. If he can get another prisoner who was convicted of murder to admit to like all these other murders that they they suspect him of, and it was it was really well 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 written I think, we like bounced the whole thing in one sitting. Uh, I almost did bin it because like we normally do like a one first episode test and if it can't hook us we stop there but towards the end of the first episode I was firmly on the hook. Um, so I would I would recommend that. Then the other thing we've been watching is uh, Shrinking. Have you seen Have you seen this? Or heard about it? Uh, 
think I may have heard about it. I think I may have read about it on Reddit. Yeah. It's, but I, uh, I don't know it's, much. It stars uh, Jason Siegel or Marshall from How I Met Your Mother. Right. And Harrison Ford is in it as well. That's what I've read about it. Uh, I read that Harrison Ford is very funny in it. Ah, he's brilliant in it. So I, th- I like to see... I like seeing Harrison in more things. Like, I think I read a thing where he said... Uh, he hasn't been able to do much the last, you know, couple of decades because he's been like contractually obligated for Indiana Jones or something. Right. So he's kind of right. sitting about, <laughs> waiting for a phone call from George, <laughs> or something. I, or maybe I don't know. Maybe maybe that was taken out of context. I don't know. Yeah. But I thought that I thought that was funny. But he he's in a few things now. There's some cowboy show he's in as well. Um, but but anyway, shrinking. It's it's also on Apple TV, and I think it's created by Bill Lawrence, of Scrubs fan, fame. Ah, yeah. And uh, Christina Miller's in it as well, who's Jordan from Scrubs. But it's it's a really well written show, really funny. Um, there's only five episodes I think out at the minute. Uh, but it's 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 one I'm gonna continue watching. So it's basically like Jason Segel plays a therapist who starts to like breach ethical barriers by telling patients what he actually thinks of them rather than what they need to hear and it's just it's really funny um also started watching the last of us i don't think anything needs to be said on that one uh solid solid show and then i have a bunch of books that i want to get through a lot of the slow horses books but uh still going through game of thrones currently halfway through feast for crows I do not have many shows or movies to talk about this week because I have been flat out at the Harry Potter game. Uh, every time I have free time, nice. I've just been playing that game. It's really, really good. I'm only, I think I'm only like a quarter way through it, judging by the fact that I've just today reached autumn because I've been doing so much side quests and exploring and stuff. But it's a really, really fun game. I would, yeah. Would recommend it if you guys are on the fence about it, buying it or anything. It's it's well worth the money, in my opinion. I'm I'm definitely gonna buy it. It's just I've I've spent too much money recently. I need to calm down. It's not even the money for me. It's more because I know how much of my life it will consume. <laughs> it's I'm trying to get a few things done before I come up it. Yeah. Uh, in terms, well, I I have been keeping up with The Last of Us as well, and it it is excellent. Um, so good they have great zombie post-apocalyptic tv again after the walking dead got really really bad it just the walking dead i thought was incredible in its first season and it it still had some great moments in the first four or five seasons and that uh, so it's good it's good to have something really really great high standard back again i think i got to like season four or five i think it was four of the walking dead and it just yeah it, it was very repetitive or something yeah i think i i got to about season five and gave it up so i've been watching uh, the new season of drive to survive um so that's the one about formula one um which anyone that's not in the formula one i think could even enjoy it too because it's more it's more just about the behind the scenes kind of rivalries and stuff like that it's, it's so good like i'm picky when i watch formula one uh but it's just come out and then there's also one there called full swing it's basically the same idea but about golf um and they've been getting on the golf recently so yeah i've been watching that too and then 
a show that I've been really enjoying that I've been watching and people, people have been recommending to me for ages is Ted Lasso um, oh so yeah it's the, if you've seen it it's the one about the manager from he's like a NFL manager from America and he comes over and manages like a uh, British football team in the Premier League um, and he's kind of like bringing all his management principles over but um, he, I think a lot of the humour comes from like you know the difference between things in America yeah. and things in UK I think one of the things I was like laughing for ages was it's like his son comes over to visit and he's like here here's a, a scone it's it's like a, a muffin that sucks all the spit out of your mouth <laughs> it's like that's so, such a good uh, uh, description of what it is but uh, no yeah it's just we things like that there. but it's just a hilarious show but it's um, yeah, absolutely loving that at the minute. That show and has been on my list for ages. It's been yeah, on my list as well. Yeah. I think oh, that it's... was also written by Bill Lawrence and one of the other guys that do Shrinking. Oh, nice. Oh, yeah. It's uh, it's brilliant to yeah, watch it. Um, and I've been listening to... I just started the book that I'm about to recommend, so we'll see if that's what I'm about to say. But I've also been listening... Like I said, I've told you that it was like something to do with history, so I've been listening to a one of those great courses as well, lectures about uh, the history about what this the time that this is set, which I don't want to say what it is, but yeah, it's me kind of listen and stuff um, but yeah, um, possibly in the next few weeks we'll get the new Harry Potter game and that's like Michael, that will be my only update will be that I've just been playing <laughs> no, no Pokemon update? No Pokemon off? update, unfortunately I've uh, fell away from it a bit but you know what, I'll get back to it eventually if <laughs> it comes in cycles, Pokemon. You know, it's, it's, it's every ten years or so. <laughs> you feel that at you, and I, I know it will. Temporary okay, R.I.P. Uh, sorry, Michael. Temporary R.I.P. to the Pokecast. <laughs> <laughs> in memoriam. <laughs> uh, any plugs you just wanna throw out there? Uh, I think by the time this episode comes out by the time i edit it and get it out there i will have also released my um episode of the dark tales that's about the charity shop so that should be out very soon before this episode so by the time you're listening to this you can find it by searching the dark tales and my name onto podcast apps uh i'm also still doing my series on Wattpad, the shadow sisters i'll send the link in the description you want to read any of that and that's everything for me the 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 dark tales uh can you let me know when that comes out i want to I read that yeah I, i'm gonna put so i put the written version on wattpad if people prefer to read the written version and um i'll put the link down the show and i also do a wee narration for it as well on my podcast episode so whatever whatever you prefer cool as and now because this is based on a real event right <laughs> sort it's of loosely sort based. of loosely very loosely yeah do, do i feature in it by name i don't i i never use real people real people that i know okay does he, fe- does he feature as a character enough based on him? yeah <laughs> i i use bits and pieces of people and every character in every way is my politician okay, uh, is my politician answer <laughs> i'm going to be looking out. i'm going to be like property honed in on which one's me they're going to be thinking about that the whole time this is always my fear see when I'm like writing a tool <laughs> and then people are like is that me 
I'll know. Sorry, John. Um, I'll go. I guess. Um, yeah. So I think I mentioned that I was doing like YouTube. I created a YouTube channel, so I never actually said what it was called. So it's called. I called decided to call it computational poetry, which um, is supposed to describe exactly what it's about. Is kind of um, <laughs> the, the 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 beauty of kind of computer code and stuff like that. Um, so I've only put the videos. The only videos I have on there right now is like the ones that I've said before about the Q. Um, solving problems in the Q programming language, but I want to do um, a kind of stuff in C, uh, like a kind of going through uh, different kind of projects and programs in C, and uh, I'll also want go through stuff about algorithms and data structures um, and kind of like use cases and things like that. So that's what I'm hoping to get on there eventually, but there's not too much on there, but I will put the link into the description of this episode how can i ask you a question about uh, q yes how different is q from k or whatever kdb is in so q is a, is actually written in a dialect of k called k4 um okay. so there's there's different types of k they're all very similar but they're just different flavors essentially um so because yeah, i was gonna say because k is horrible to look at so is q so nice? Q basically replaces a lot of the K symbols with words. That's music so, music. so like in, <clears throat> for example, in K to do like the sum of a list of numbers, it would be like a plus and a slash. So that means like plus over this list. Whereas there's a keyword in Q called sum, and then you just do sum the list. So it's it is still quite terse, but it's it's supposed to be more human readable than K. That's music to my ears. But um, yeah, it's it's um, a different. I know about a K as well. Like um, I think when you like know Q well, especially because Q was the first language. I didn't know any programming languages before I like learned it, and because I come from a mathematical background, I think learning it is my first one, and I think it's quite suited to mathematics, um, like the notation and stuff like that. Um, yeah, it was quite. I pocket up quite easy. Um, but I feel like I appreciate the terseness of it more now when I'm like learning things like C and like God I could do this in like four characters in Q whereas in C I have to write a big four lip and stuff like that so um, that's kind of like what things that's, that's what this channel is supposed to do is like kind of like writing things nice but you know exploring different ways to do they solve the same problems you know what I mean yeah but um, yeah I'll put the put the link them all into the description of this so people can go check it out then yeah that that's a that's a great name by the way yeah do fair i actually i asked the first thing i was doing on chat chat gpt was to get a good youtube name and oh. to give i was like like this is like actually you know what i have it here so let me give you a couple of examples um so i asked it uh, i'm doing a youtube channel and this is the stuff i want to do about basically like algorithms stuff like that and it was all here are some potential names so optimize me algorithm insight code crafting binary brain logic lab algo genius and then i was like i like this say i like binary brain could you give me more like that and then it gives you more in like that kind of style and then i was all this is the one that i have i was a like, computational poetry is the one that i have it's all that's an interesting name and you know what it's quite it's quite good for what you're you've said it's for and all i was like you know what then i'm sticking with that because <laughs> chat gbt said said it was cool so it must be cool yeah, see, I, no, see I that, see that Michael? <laughs> see that, Michael? Johnny beat the AI. 
Oh, yeah. Simple as that, you see? It's like the episode of The Office where Dwight tries to sell more paper than the computer. You, you beat. You beat. <laughs> <laughs> I'm definitely going to give that a follow and, and have a wee uh, watch after this. Probably. Cheers. Cheers, eh? You'll be my first subscriber. Ah, <laughs> oh, yes. Uh, did Steve, you, you already went, didn't you, Steve, when you said about all the Apple TV stuff you're watching? Yeah, just a bunch of Apple TV stuff. <laughs> uh, I think they're... Everything they're putting out recently, I think, is phenomenal. I think it's getting so really, much hype, yeah. And I don't have it's, it. It's 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 properly building. Well, I get it for free because I um, we have like what's it called? It's called Apple One or something. Right. With the family, so, so you get like Apple Music and Apple TV and a bunch of other stuff for for um, you know, you can split it between the whole family instead of having to pay for each one individually. So it's much more you know economical or whatever. But I but I get it through that. Oh, nice. trying, I've been trying to use it much more, but I've been pleasantly surprised by everything they have to offer. So I have it's been just hearing getting better and better. More and more, more and more shows that are from Apple TV, which is really good. Um, I would not get another streaming service right now, but I am increasingly thinking of canceling some something. In fact, but I don't, I don't pay for the Netflix that I use. It's my my mom's Netflix. So. <gasps> You can't say that. You can't say that. Edit that out. It's my Netflix. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, out of the ones that I pay for, I I don't know if I could sacrifice any for Apple. Yeah, I I don't think, right now, I don't think there's enough to justify uh, paying for a subscription specifically. As I say, I wouldn't have it if I didn't get a three Apple one, you know. Um, There's a lot, there's a good. There's like a handful of shows on there which are phenomenal, but there's once you get through them, like right now, yeah, we're almost through all of them <laughs> that I wanted to watch, and so we're kind yeah. of scraping the barrel now. So, but I, but I do think they're trying to kind of kick that off properly because it's been around for a while, kind of not doing much. <laughs> Mythic, Mythic Quest was another show on I've there heard, that I watched. I've heard it's, great it's things by, about that. There's written by the guys who do two of the guys who do Sonny, so Charlie and um, Mac, Rob, Rob yeah. Uh, they they they're kind of they created the idea and and Rob stars in it as the sort of boss of this company who make an MMO and it's it, it's really funny. I've uh I've it's I, not like Sonny at all though. I forgot to mention <laughs> that on my what we're consuming that I actually started that podcast. They always Sonny one. Oh, that's a great podcast. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, really great. I've been, I've been re- I should have said that as well. I've been like we're listening through all the episodes again. <laughs> oh really? Yeah, and they they tend to go off. They, so every episode supposed to be about like an episode of the show. They never talk they about the show. Complete, they never they, talk about it. <laughs> they re- they go completely off topic, and it's it's really funny. Yeah. There's one where like Dennis is just like the whole episode is just about Dennis trying to kick the store down or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's funny and like you know, some sometimes like Glenn's not there, so De- the actor for Dennis isn't like in the room physically, but they've replaced him with a sex doll from <laughs> fourteen, thirteen, whatever it is. It's, it's really funny. Uh, anyway, that's that's a whole tangent. So we'll move on then to our last sort of section. So Johnny, do you want to introduce the next pick? I'll hand it over to you. 
I love hearing. I love this part. I love hearing people's picks. So uh, actually, me and Michael were uh, at the match, the dairy match there um, the other day. So Michael was trying to guess what it was. He, I was pretty sure you knew what it was, Michael, but he were you were close in terms of what it's about in terms of the time period it's set in. But uh, yeah, unfortunately, you didn't know the actual book. Yeah, Jesus um, times for the for the listeners. My no. guess was that this would be Catch Twenty Two. Um, when was Catch-22 set again? Isn't it like World War II or something? Uh, I can't remember which war it is, but yeah, it's it's one of those. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so my book is uh, called... It's actually been... A movie has just been released, which is one of the nominations for Best Picture, which is why, Michael, I thought that you uh, oh, okay. would have known what this is because you mentioned that on last week's episode. Right, last okay. uh, episode. Yeah, so the book is, it's actually one of the most famous books can I ever written about uh, World War I. Um, so it's All Quiet on the Western Front. Um, so that's by Eric Maria Remarque. Um, and obviously, Michael, you've seen the movie, and I mean, to be fair, it's not too hard to guess what this book's about, so I guess we're probably not going to play the game or nothing, but um, I'm guessing, but um, just to I don't give think it really fair, works without, it, you know, it's not a fiction story yeah 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 and like i mean the title of this is very um the western front is famous you know for being in world war one soon um but yeah it's it's actually a, from a german soldier's perspective um so it's actually eric uh, maria remark was a german soldier um so it's quite different you know than usually like a west like a book written by one of the allies essentially um it's actually written from the other point of view um so yeah, that that's also narrated by Tom Lawrence is the the one specifically because I think there's a, there's actually a few of them um, versions of this. That's the Tom Lawrence narrated one. Nice, great. So the movie was just released on Netflix too, um, which me and Michael seen. Stephen, have you seen that? No, I've not seen it. I probably would have seen it if I still had Netflix, but I don't. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's in German, like so you have to watch it either dubbed or you can watch it. I watch it with subtitles just. I have um, no problem doing the subtitle thing. Yeah, the the movie's quite good as well. Um, So I've never read the book. Um, The movie, I, I, so I heard about this book on uh, like one of those course lectures thing. uh, What was called again? The books that can change your life. Um, So that's where I heard about it, and then like a week after I listened to that episode about this book, uh, Netflix released that movie, and I was like, oh my god, I was like, is that based on this book? And then yeah, it was. Are you in the Truman Show? Absolutely. The truth, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so uh yeah, that's my pack. So um it's about seven hours long at normal speed. Um so nice and crazy. Perfect. I look forward to listening to that. Um Okay, well that's that's us for this episode. Um uh, thank you for listening and I guess tune in next time for a discussion on All Quiet on the Western Front by who was it by again? Eric Maria Remark and read by Tom Lawrence read by Tom Lawrence okay Um, that's us goodbye bye 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 bye